Good evening, everyone. Um, can I get a show of hands? Who's new in our service this evening? Okay. So, you raised your hand. Can you be bold and brave enough to stand so we can see your faces? Please? <laughs> and we give them a warm word of welcome. Hello. Hello. Welcome to our service. Welcome to our service. So lovely to have you here. Just to say to you, we do have a connect table afterwards. If you'd like to connect with us, we'd love to connect with you. So please come forward. There's some leaders that would like to say hello to you. Okay. Wasn't that an amazing time of worship? Hey, it was good. Thank you so much, worship team. I think they set me up big time, which is very good. Thank you so much. So as Richie has said, and I want to remind you of where we are as a body, that the, the word, and I think I do this very often when I, when I preach or when I speak, is to remind us of the word over our house, this local house, our body, in the season we're in. The word over the house in this season is be ready, be ready for the glory of God to be on display. Okay, so it's be ready. And what has been amazing as we've journeyed is we've just seen the Lord touch on different things to be ready for. But even during this holiday time, for those of you who've taken a holiday or a break, welcome back. Even in this holiday time, we've tried to stay as close to the be ready, but at the same time leave room for whatever prophetic ministry or word the Lord would have for us. And it's so interesting, if you were in the service last week, you would have heard some of that prophetic word come through. As our senior pastor and his wife were away and came back, he just sensed the thing of sound of faith, the sound of faith in the spirit for our house. And it was around the Jericho walls and how it wasn't the noise that they made, but actually the sound that came from them internally. Remember they walked around the wall seven times? But on the seventh time, when they shouted, when they did that loud noise, it wasn't just the noise vocally that came out. It was the internal thing that the Lord had done that resonated into the atmosphere and the walls came tumbling down. And so last week, Mike shared on the sound of our hearts and that there's a sound in the spirit and how our hearts need to resonate with the sound that's in the spirit for the things in our lives to make sense and for there to be breakthrough or for there to be consistency in our lives. Do you remember he wore the shoes, one little leather shoe and one tacky? And he said, just to remind you, and he said that after a while he got comfortable, but the things were not consistent. And so even in our lives, there can be sin. <laughs> he used that example that we become so familiar with that we just carry along. In the, in the beginning, it's uncomfortable, but in the end, it becomes so comfortable, but actually it makes us wobbly. And so he just spoke about David and how David said, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth, Lord, be pleasing in your sight. And when he spoke about meditation, it was the sound David was speaking about. May the sound of my heart be pleasing in your sight. And so you might be wondering why I'm reminding you of that. It's because I really believe the Lord is building onto something. And what I do want to point to, <laughs> I don't want to get teary, is this. Is we are leading up to Easter. And as a believer, this is the most important date in our calendar. The death 
and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we journey now up until Easter, I do want to encourage you that the Lord is speaking and he's preparing us for Easter. And so listen to, as um, Richie has said, listen to the podcast, listen to the YouTube videos. Do not miss what the Lord is doing in the Spirit as a journey so that what he wants to do at Easter time in your heart will have its purpose. Is that okay? And so tonight I do want to share what I believe the Lord has um, beckoned us in the Spirit to, and it's this. If we are to resonate with the sound in the Spirit and be consistent with that in our hearts, it calls for surrender. It calls for surrender, firstly, to the person of God, okay? As we sang, you are who you are. You are who you say you are. We need to surrender to that, first of all. And the second thing we need to surrender to is that he'll, he'll do what he says he'll do. So to his will. And so there's a call in the spirit. If we think of a sound coming from our lives to the Lord that's pleasing in his sight, there's also a call from the Lord and a sound that's coming from heaven towards us. And it's an invitation to surrender. It's an invitation. If you think of the cross and the journey of the cross and the message of the cross, it is surrender. It is surrender. And so tonight, the title of my sermon is The Power of Surrender. And so I know when we say the word surrender, in the world, it has a negative connotation to it. I looked it up in the dictionary this afternoon, and actually the first thing that came up was to, to surrender to an enemy. And no one wants to do that. Anybody? Show of hands. Takers. Want to surrender to an enemy? No one wants to do that. But in the kingdom... It's the opposite. It's the very opposite thing. It's not surrendering to the enemy, but it's surrendering to the will of God. And in that place, there is power. Now, I want you to turn with me, if you've got your Bibles. Do you have your Bibles? Okay, whether it's the hard copy or the soft copy. <laughs> if you've got a soft copy, open it, your phones. If you've got a hard copy, open your Bibles. And please turn with me to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, okay. Matthew 13, verse 14. Am I at the right space? Sorry, Matthew 14, verse 13. Okay, Matthew 14, verse 13. We all there? Okay, I'm going to read it for us. When Jesus heard what had happened he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. He said, bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves 
and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave them to the people, to the disciples actually, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. God of the impossible. God of the impossible. Can I tell you what I think when I read the story? So you go, Jesus feeding the 5,000. What does that have to do with surrender? This is what it has to do with surrender. I believe personally that the Lord used this to prepare his disciples for that. And I'm going to go through the story now. And I want to show you how I think the Lord used that incident to prepare his disciples for his death. And it's this. When we read in the beginning, it says Jesus saw these people. Okay, Just remember the context now. The previous passage of scripture before this is when John is beheaded. John is Jesus' cousin. And now he gets the news of his cousin being beheaded. And it's hectic for him. So Jesus is in a hectic place himself. Yet he sees the crowds of people. And he knows it's getting dark. And he has compassion on them. Yet the disciples say to him, Jesus, it's getting late. Can you send them away to get their own food? Jesus says, no. Give them what you have. Here's the thing for me. When we think of Jesus and what he's done for us as believers, we messed up, not Jesus. He was blameless and spotless. (laughs) He was without sin. Yet we messed up. And then God could have said, let them fix their thing themselves. Hey? He could have said that. He could have said, let them go get their own bread. He is the bread of life, but he, he could have said, oh, let them sort out their own mess. Yet it doesn't say that in the scriptures when you read about Jesus' death in Luke. It speaks about God having compassion on us. And so the first thing we see here is the Lord showing them that we serve a God of love and compassion. Yes, it was getting late. Yes, the people were following him, but yet he had compassion for them. So we see compassion in the story. The second thing we see in the story is this. Jesus says to them, okay, they do not need to go away. Give them something to eat. So here we see the disciples thinking of a solution, but in their own minds. Their solution is send the people away. That is their solution. Send the people away so that they can get their own food. Jesus doesn't do that because of the compassion he's stirred with. And so here we have a picture of this God that is dealing with the death of his cousin, still having compassion on 5,000. That's men, excluding women and children. It's a large God large and his heart has compassion for all of them it's huge I struggle to sometimes have compassion for my five-year-old that doesn't listen to me (laughs) but here Jesus is and he has compassion on them and I think when it comes to surrender if I think of the story 
Surrender starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. And it starts by God touching our hearts. If we cannot see the world the way he does, then I doubt we've truly surrendered our lives to him. If we cannot have compassion for the people we come into contact with daily, then I question our surrender to him. Because it says that because of his life in God, his father, he was led by compassion. Second thing, he was not led by his own thoughts as the disciples were here. In the garden of Gethsemane, a thought crosses Jesus' mind where he says, Lord, pass this cup from me. If it is your will, take it away from me. It's a difficult one to drink. But he gets to a place where he goes, not my will, but your will be done. So there's a thought there, but he surrenders to the Father's will. Whereas here, the disciples are thinking of their own good idea. And you see this, it's easier for them if the people leave. (laughs) It's easier for the disciples if the people go and get their own food because it costs the disciples nothing. It costs them nothing. But Jesus was using this, this incident to help them because his death was on its way. It was coming. The third thing I see in the story is, is they surrendered what they had. Jesus asks them, <laughs> he says to them, don't send the people away. You give them something to eat. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, ish, 5,000, we only have loaves, five loaves and two fish. They only had five loaves and two fish. On a Sunday morning, we probably fill about two to 3,000 people in our auditorium. We're talking 5,000 people, excluding men and children. And they had five loaves of bread. This is six, okay? It's six buns. <laughs> Who of you think we can fill this auditorium and feed everybody here to full with this? Any hands, any takers? I'm talking to Christians now. <laughs> Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Hey, look at you. The only one whose hand's going up is Sam at the back and the guy over there. I see you. You've got faith. Do you think these, okay, this is six. I can open this and we can share it and everybody will get full on this. Yes or no? Some are yes, some's going, come on, Letitia, we're living into 2018. Yeah, come on. The disciples, where you are and what you're thinking is the same thing as the disciples were thinking. They went, no ways. Jesus said, what do you have? They said, Lord, we've got five loaves, two fish. That's what we have. Let's go to the cross. God sees the sin we're in, the mess we're in. He sees the hunger and the thirst because of the sin that created the hunger and the thirst now. Jesus goes, Jesus, um, God doesn't go, send the people away to deal with their mess. He goes, what do I have in my hands? My one and only son. Not for 5,000 people, not for a million people, but for billions. One son, broken for billions. So God doesn't look at people and go, let them sort their own mess. He's in heaven and he says, what do I have 
in my hands to fix this. And he gives it. His one and only son. Now that's something for you. If that doesn't move your heart, then I don't know what will. God looked at what he had. And he said, I will take my one and my only son. And this is what he did. And I will break it. I'll break him so that many will become sons and daughters in my kingdom. Many. He took his one son, the bread of life, flawless, spotless, and he broke him so that we could eat and drink. Doesn't that, isn't that what the scriptures say? We eat of his body and we drink of his blood and we are made whole and we are restored and redeemed and become one again with Father God. He did not send us away to this day. If you're sitting in this room and you have not known the love of Father, he will not turn you away and say, go deal with your own mess. You made it. He does not do that. He looks at what he has and what is already given. That is his one and only son for us. And so Jesus surrenders his life, but God gives his life to us, which is amazing. The father, one son, sacrificed for many, so that now in heaven, can I tell you, the one son is not the only son. There are many sons and daughters in heaven because of Jesus' life. But what is amazing for me from both the stories is this. When Jesus broke the bread and he gave it to the disciples, it caused for multiplication. There is something about surrender that causes multiplication and fruitfulness in our lives. When we surrender our lives to the Lord, it, it gives off multiplication, and others come to know the Lord because of our lives. And so can I ask you this this evening, or say this, if you're battling with fruitfulness in your life, Question your surrender. How surrendered are you in your life if an area is not fruitful? In your marriage, have you surrendered your marriage to the Lord? Have you, surre have you surrendered your family to the Lord? Have you surrendered that difficult relationship that you're battling with at work or wherever to the Lord? Because if it's not bearing fruit, if it's not multiplying kingdom then it's not surrendered. It's not surrendered. Because that which is surrendered to God, he takes and he breaks, and it might be difficult, <laughs> but he multiplies it for kingdom purposes. And he says in his word in Isaiah, the words and the purposes that I send out will not return back void to me. And so I don't know tonight where you are, what situation you're battling with financially or whatever, emotionally, even if it's unforgiveness, I'm not sure where you are tonight. But God sees you and he knows. And he died on the cross so that you can know freedom and fruitfulness in your life. But it takes some courage to surrender. It does. And it's not just the surrendering of our hearts. In the, both these stories, if I look at it with Jesus' surrender, it was a surrendering of the heart going, God my heart belongs to you. 
And if my heart belongs to you, my heart resonates with what's happening in the spirit. And so if your heart is full of hate, then I don't know if it's fully surrendered. (laughs) If it's full of bitterness, I don't know if it's full of surrender. It's very difficult to resonate with the things of the kingdom if our hearts are not surrendered. Jesus' heart was surrendered, his mind was surrendered, and his hands, his life was surrendered. And because of that, there was multiplication in his life. So here's the challenge. I want to call the worship team up. Now, it's a short word, but there's, there's some ministry needed in this space. Is this as difficult as it was for Jesus? And he, I'm telling you, if you want to hear a good sermon preparing you for Easter, listen to Pastor Litzolo's sermon this morning around Jesus and the life he gave for us, that it cost him everything. None of us have been in a situation where we have sweated blood. Anybody? Raise your hands. Where you have sweated blood because of anguish. And so maybe the thing you're facing is very difficult. Very, very difficult. But can I tell you that when you surrender that thing to the Lord, he's already died for it. (laughs) He's died for the unforgiveness. He's died for the brokenness. He's died for that thing you're struggling with, that very thing that's hurting you. He's died for that thing. But it calls for surrender. And here's the thing with surrender. I'm going to call Conway up with the blanket and the glass. (laughs) See, surrender calls for a soft heart. Hey? (laughs) Because surrender is not an easy thing, but what we are doing is going, what we are doing is going, God, my life does not belong to me. It belongs to you. And the thing with surrender is this. If you think of Jesus on the cross, so I don't know where your heart is tonight. Maybe it's in a very hard place because it, it got hurt. Hey, We all know that. Hurts of the world, unforgiveness, bitterness, Something that just hurt you and you're going, God, I can't go there. It's just sore to forgive. It's sore to go there. The thing is with Jesus, when he was on the cross, he was innocent. Yet he died for all of us and he became sin. I love what Pastor Lutzolo said this morning. It's not that he became a sinner on the cross. He became sin itself, which separated him from Father for us so that we can know freedom and deliverance. And here's the thing with surrender. On the cross, Jesus was not the lion. He was the lamb. He was the lamb. He's the lion of Judah now. (laughs) He was then too, but it wasn't the lion that was on the cross. It was the lamb, gentle lamb of God that was slain. And if you think of this bun or bread... It's soft. (laughs) It's soft in the hand that when you break it and you give it away, it is gentle in the other's hand too and it gets multiplied. (laughs) It's soft. It's soft. It can be multiplied. So when our lives are surrendered to the Lord, 
And it's from a soft place. And it's sore. It's, can I say tonight, when your life is broken and multiplied, it's not an easy thing. But it's the yielding to God that makes it possible for you to surrender your life and for it to be soft in the hands of God. Like clay that he can do whatever he wants to with it. Which is incredible. But tonight if you're sitting here and the hurt and the brokenness and the hardness of life has made your heart hard. Then when the breaking, the breaking comes or the, the, when the Lord comes and he wants to work with you, it's very difficult. And then the crushing of life looks like this instead. And I want him to break the glass. Now, I want to share this broken glass. Will you take this? The chances is she's going to be very careful when she takes this from me. Why? Because if something is hard and it is broken, it can hurt others. How many people in our society are broken and look like this instead of the bread? But can I tell you tonight that because of this and because of our Savior, we don't have to look like this. We can look like the bread that can be multiplied instead of the glass that is broken. And it's much more difficult to share this because this hurts other people. It does not bless them. So where are you tonight? Are you sitting in pain? Are you sitting in hurt? And the Lord can't use you because you're so full of hurt and pain that you're hurting others? There's an invitation tonight to come back to this place where He has carried it all so that your life can be bred in His hands to be multiplied. And that is the power of surrender. So I don't know what you have tonight, but as we continue worship now, I want you to think. Please be careful with this glass here. <laughs> I want you to think of what is the one thing that's hurting you or that's just not bearing fruit in your life and that's causing hurt and heartache to others. And we've got some pens here. We've got some paper and plastic. And I want you to be brave enough during, we're going to sing two songs of worship now. And during worship, to come and put it back where it belongs. It belongs on the cross because Jesus already died for it. Do not take it home with you tonight. If you take it home with you tonight, it is by choice. Because this is available for every single one of us here tonight before we go home. So if you've got anything that needs to go back to where it belongs on the cross, will you come during worship and put it back on the cross? Give it back to Jesus. Surrender it to the Lord so that you can go home and yield to his purpose for your life. And so Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that you died on the cross for us and you were soft in the hands of the Father, the lamb on the throne, the lamb on the cross. And I pray tonight that you would remind us by your spirit what it is that we have taken upon ourselves that does not belong on us because you died for it. Help us to take it back to the cross and surrender it pain, unforgiveness, shame, whatever it is, 
to give it back to you. And as we give it back to you, that you would use us and our lives to draw others to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's worship the Lord. And when you're ready, there's pen and paper and press stick. Amen.